This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. take a breath. (sighs) Hey guys, I'm Cindy Litwako and welcome to Something to Share. Every Wednesday, I sit down with people you may have seen on your TV screens, experts in their fields, or just people I find inspirational so that they have a platform to dive into the things that they really want to talk about. We all have something to share, something that we're going through, and something that we need to hear. So let's get started. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. This one is extremely special. It is officially our 100th episode of Something to Share. I mean, it could be a different number because (laughs) it got a little murky there as we transitioned from the podcast that I had with Nicole to a podcast solo, but this is what we're calling the 100th episode. And I'm just so excited to have reached this benchmark, honestly, from all of the ups and downs that it takes with starting your own business and starting your own venture like this. There's so many ups and downs. There's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of times where you're like, what the hell am I doing? Why am I doing this to myself? Is it worth all of the effort and time and energy that I'm putting into it? And honestly, who knows? But just reaching this benchmark right now, the 100th episode is so special. And it's such a good reminder of all of the work that I put in, all of the time and energy. I mean, it's been almost two years now that I've been doing this specific podcast. I've been doing it since the pandemic in my first and second iteration of a podcast. This is now my third. So it feels really incredible to reach this point. And I just want to take this moment and be proud of myself Um, because there have been times when I have doubted that as I've said many a times, there's been times when I've gotten off a interview and cried my eyes out because of something that went wrong or because of an interview that I felt like I didn't do well enough. There's just been so many times of me being like, what is actually going on and can I actually do this? So every week that I put out an episode is me further proving that to myself. And I hope that reminds anyone out there that if they have something that they're passionate about or if they have something that they're trying to start, that it's not going to be a walk in the park necessarily. It's not easy when something when you have to create something from yourself. I hope that reminds you to keep going. Even in those times like I've had where you're crying your eyes out, where you're doubting everything, where you're confused, where you're just wanting to quit. I get it. <laughs> and I've been there. And I hope that this episode just gives you a little extra hope. This episode is filled with so many gems and some of my favorite things. So what I decided to do for the 100th episode to celebrate is taking clips from some of my favorite episodes. I've loved every single episode that I've done, but some really stood out to me with being really special. So because it's just little clips from each of those episodes, we're kind of all over the map. I wanted to give you a little taste of everything. This episode feels like a 20 course meal of deliciousness and we get into a lot of different topics 
if you've listened to every episode of something to share, first of all, thank you. But second, you might've heard these clips before, but I love little reminders and I love hearing things more than once because sometimes they'll connect with you differently in different times of your life. And sometimes it'll be exactly what you need to hear in this moment, even if you have already heard it before, or maybe you hear it differently when you hear it now. So that's why I compiled all of these amazing little nuggets that I hope that you will love on the episode in order from start to finish. We have a clip from the Ferguson twins. Uh, Their episode actually got messed up in audio wise. So just want you to know that if you remember that from back then, I fixed it. So if you want to listen to the whole thing, I will link everything below. So we start with the Ferguson twins, Shan Boudram, who is a sex and relationship expert, Tori Dunlap, who is a finance expert, Erin Trelor, who is the creator of Raw Beauty and Raw Beauty Talks. She is really open about body image and her struggles with eating disorders. And she's just a light. Kat Stickler, who I love on TikTok. She's really well known for being a single mom and just being such a incredible force on the internet and inspiring women and people all around the world who watch her videos. Kayla Quinn, who was on Ben Higgins' season of The Bachelor. She's awesome. She's a fellow Filipino girl, and I really love her. We have Vanessa Marin on, who's a sex therapist and expert. We have Dr. Will Berkowitz, who is the gut health MD. We talk about gut health. We have Charlene Joint, who was on Juan Pablo's season of The Bachelor. We have Gabrielle Stone, who is a best-selling author and who went through a really intense breakup and has written all these books from it. We have Ben Higgins, who had his own season of The Bachelor. We have the Back to Love doc, who talks all about attachment styles and loves to go through The Bachelor. We have The Bird's Papaya on Sarah Nicole Landry, who talks all about body positivity and is super open on social media. And I love her. We have the Breakup Bootcamp author, Amy Chan, who is incredible and helps people move through breakups and heartache. And finally, we end it off with a little snippet from Tasha Adams, who had her own season of The Bachelorette. And then we finish it with one of my intros that I did, just thanking you guys and just giving a little bit more insight into the podcast. So this one is really special to me. Like I said, 100 episodes feels really good. And I hope that there will be hundreds of more episodes to come. And this is just my little love letter to something to share and to all of you listening. If you're a fan of the podcast and you're wanting to send it to a friend or someone, this is definitely the episode to send to them so they can get a little taste of what we're all about here. Just because people were not featured on this specific episode does not mean I don't love all those other episodes. This one just felt like a great way to encompass all of the things that are something to share. There's also a clip of me and Nick in here. Um, so it's a good time. If you made it this far with me or if you are just now pressing play and getting to know me in this podcast, just thank you. I hope that's my goal with this podcast of being a space and a place for people to hear something that they needed to, to feel less alone in the world and to feel connection from afar. I hope that this podcast is doing that for those of you listening out there. And I hope that we continue to do that and that you feel like this is a space that you can come, you can laugh, you can learn something, you can feel something and you leave just feeling even better at the end of the hour or however long each episode is. So again, thank you. Sending all the love your way as always. Please enjoy this episode. You'll know there's a new clip coming by a little music interlude. I'll link all of the full length episodes below so you guys can reference them if you want to go back and deep dive into any of those. Before you go, please rate, review, follow, send this episode to friends, family, loved ones, 
and tag us on social media. Without further ado, guys, here is the 100th episode. What's going on, Bachelor Nation? There's, It feels like there's a new Bachelor, Bachelorette every second. And personally, I'm feeling burnt out. But how do you guys feel about the current state of the franchise? Okay, honestly, I'm not going to lie. Like ever since our podcast ended, I've kind of just freaking stopped. stopped listening, stopped following. And it, that might not be like something that I should do because obviously I'm a part of the franchise. It might yeah. be good to be knowledgeable about it. But um, I do think overall, um, the Bachelor franchise is just not the same. It's just not what it used to be. And I think that, I think they pick great leads for sure. Like I think Michelle being a lead is honestly really great. And I, I actually like, really like, like her. And I think yeah. she's just absolutely stunning, which, I mean, I know that's not everything, but she really is she's gorgeous. gorgeous. She's yeah. actually just like a normal person, which yeah. like, the lead probably shouldn't be normal. Yeah. I think <laughs> that we want crazy. Yeah. I think it's, <laughs> we like Claire it's always been like a little quirky for the bachelorette, but for yeah. some reason, the bachelor's normal, but the bachelorette is quirky. I don't know what that is, but yeah, yeah you're actually right about that. That actually is crazy. That's a perfect way to put it for sure. But, um, yeah, I think that I just tried to distance myself because honestly, I think anyone who kind of goes on to these shows now are taking a really big risk and just like well, t- being able to, they have to have thick skin because yeah. social media is crazier yeah. than ever. And people are tough and online bullying is truly a real thing. And I, mm-hmm. I can say, I don't, I've dealt with it for sure, but I, ha- I don't think I've dealt with it to the extent that these newer contestants have dealt with yeah. it. I think TikTok might have something to do with that because there's a whole TikTok culture right now, especially with bachelor. I'm getting, I get fed them a lot just because we're in bachelor nation, but just like the breakdowns of every single detail that happens on the show on social media with the new contestants is actually really wild. There's people yes. whose like entire brand is just to talk about each contestant. Um, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. How does it feel then to be taking that break from the franchise and being a little bit removed from it? Does it feel like weird or good? Like, how does that feel for both of you? I think we're relieved. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's a lot of, I didn't, I enjoy bachelor in paradise. I'm more of like that. I'm interested Same. in that, but then it's hard when you don't know anybody from any of the other seasons going on that season. So you like want to stay a little aware of what's going on, but then you're like, ah, oh, um, it's been very rinse and repeat with the editing and the storylines. I feel like with each for of sure. them for sure. And yeah, like you said, like, it's just like, there was Katie. Now it's like, then it was like Claire, Katie. Now it's Michelle. And there's like, I'm, I guess I'm ready for a bachelor, like a male lead, I guess. Cause yeah. I think it's more entertaining when you have 30 girls. Yeah. Cause I like, I like the girl drama. Same. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think about it a lot. Like I remember, I I think a lot of the producers and main executive producers have changed a bit. Mm -hmm. Like they're They're not the same ones. Yeah. I think they're all different now. I think about those people that I made like bonds with for sure. Like I, I miss, I miss that kind of feeling. Like I remember like really enjoying talking to the producers, even though it's probably not like the smartest thing to do. I remember (laughs) really enjoying their company. I don't know what it is about them, but I don't know. They're just, I guess, good at making conversation and whatnot, Mm -hmm. but Like I miss, I miss all that aspect of it. I kind of miss like being close with the girls. I kind of feel like it's a really nice, rare experience that not a lot of people would understand getting off your season and having that bond with those, you know, other 
20, 25 girls that you were on with. And then it starts to fade, you know, and then like we all go back to our normal lives and maybe stay in touch with a couple of them, but you're not like best friends with them anymore. I think I kind of missed that because like, I do, I do love those friendships. And of course they still mean something to me, but like the girls you meet are like from all different States and stuff. So you definitely aren't going to stay in touch with them as much as you did in the beginning while you're going through that experience while it's being aired. And as time goes on, obviously you're not invited to as many like bachelor parties or yeah. well if you move to LA you're you're a part of all those events for a very yeah. long time yeah. and so I think those people stay in touch and then bachelor people from other seasons all come together like you're at right. these events so if you if you're you living in LA in if you want if to you be want, in it, yeah. you can be in it right you I guess can, you're right like you get invited to those things but like a lot of the times you're not in LA so you don't want to make the travel days to go do that but if you do move move to LA and live there you can definitely still be involved in all that I think a lot of people get discouraged by the idea that if I want to meet my person, I have to make changes. Well, isn't the person who's right for me supposed to just love me for who I am? Mm-hmm. And the truth of the matter is who you are is an ever evolving concept. And I always say like, I am whoever I consistently choose to be. Mm-hmm. So I don't really hold true to be like, well, I just, I'm going to be myself. Like, well, what is self? Self is different today than it was yesterday, than it was five years ago, than it will be in five years. And it's a matter of what do I want to prioritize? And also, how do I want to be received by others? And if the self that I am presenting is not getting me the interactions and relationships that I want, why would I feel beholden to that self? And that's what the, I was really saying in the book is the entire thing is if you have a great love life and you have a great dating life and you have amazing sex, you don't need this advice, right? Whatever you're doing, keep doing that thing. Mm-hmm. I wrote this book for people who are like, this sucks, dating sucks, X are trash, Y is trash, I can't figure it out, I keep getting ghosted. Like, and even if you don't resonate with all of those, but this element of, I am not enjoying the process of trying to find my person or connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And if that is you, yeah, you gotta change something. And don't feel afraid of that. Similarly, again, like if you are like, I hate cooking. If you want to get better at cooking, you're going to have to do something different. So it shouldn't be like counterintuitive and it shouldn't be offensive to suggest that. Mm-hmm. And I, I always say like, I think it's so much more powerful when change is in our hands. I have a friend of mine recently who was saying to me, LA is the worst city for dating. It is super trash. Everybody here is just looking for one thing and it's like a terrible place to date. And I was like, okay, I can receive that, you know, based on your experiences, like you haven't had a positive time connecting with people here. And I hear that and I validate that. Mm-hmm. But is it likely that we live in a city of like greater era of 40 million people and no one is dateable? Or is it likely that there's something you could be doing differently to change your experience dating here? Mm-hmm. And what, although it sounds like I don't want to take the blame on everybody else, it's actually so much more powerful when you can say it's my approach or it's what I'm putting out there, or it's something within my control that can make the shift to give me the outcome that I want. And again, as long as you are in charge of your output, um, you, as long as you know that your output can be different, the outcome is in your control. And I want more control for women. I think that's the whole point of the book. Like, Uh, The subtitle is uh, five surprising secrets to dating with dominance and getting what you want. Mm -hmm. And people had issues with that. Like what does dating with dominance mean? And that's just essentially it's like dating with control, just feeling like you actually have a say feeling like you're not passively waiting. 
waiting for someone to pick you up, waiting for someone to call you back, waiting for someone to decide if where you go for dinner, waiting for someone to ask you to be their partner. Like you're constantly in the passenger seat of an area of your life that means so much. And we know that from studies that our romantic life and our attitudes about our romantic partner really do dictate so much of our happiness. So why are we in a passive position? So I want you to be in a position of control. And in order to do that, you have to be the one who is able to make the changes that give you the impact you're looking for. If you've been tuning me out, I need you to come back. I need you to like just <laughs> listen to this one thing. So I'll tell a quick story. And I've actually, I've told the story in the podcast as well, but I sat on a panel a couple of years ago and I was sitting next to a financial advisor and she talked about this client, let's call her Mary. And Mary was a teacher and Mary starting at age like 25, set aside a certain amount of money, every single paycheck into her, like her retirement account that was offered through the school district. And she did this every single month, a certain amount of money for her entire career. So from ages like 25 to 70, when she finally retired, she set aside money every single paycheck for her own retirement. But what she had realized is she never had actually invested that money. Mm. And it like, I can't talk about this without crying because it just breaks my heart. When it comes to investing, it is a two-step process. Putting money in a bank account is a one-step process. So you put $1,000 in a bank account, you're done. With investing, you not only have to deposit that $1,000, you then need to go purchase your investments. So I explain it like it's a gift card. Like you go and you put $20 on a TJ Maxx gift card, and now you got to buy your pants and your candles and your throw pillows, right? Like you are not actually invested until you take the money and go purchase your investment. And that's part of what we teach in treasury, like how to make those investment choices. But what had happened with Mary was that she had diligently saved for her own retirement for what is the math on that? Like 50 years, 45 years. But instead of multi-millions of dollars, which would have covered her for the next 30 years in retirement, mm. she had earned nothing in interest because it was just sitting there waiting to be invested. So it wasn't even like, bank account interest. It was just sitting, waiting to be invested. So it was only her actual savings that she had put away rather than the percentage interest that she would have made on the stock market. And she couldn't afford to retire. And like, I know that's a really scary story. I need you to check. Like if you are investing already, like I need you to go verify that you have actually chosen your investments. And one of the biggest red flags that you haven't chosen your investments is if they haven't grown at all. <laughs> if they've been mm -hmm. sitting for like a year or haven't done anything, if they haven't changed, if that number hasn't changed at all in six months or a year, or even like three months, that's a huge red flag. So please go make sure that you've actually done step two. And if mm -hmm. you are a new investor, make sure you do step two. It's not just deposit your money. It's then go choose your investment. When we see these perfect images on social media, we feel a deep subconscious fear when we don't look like that, that we are not enough and that we don't belong. So we do all the things to try to belong. We filter, we diet, we exercise to change our body. We get implants, we cut our bodies open and literally pump ourselves full of like plastics and things in order to change our body. And this isn't to shame anybody mm -hmm. who's done this. I swear once a week, I'm like, I am getting my boots on. <laughs> but we do, I just, I'm like, I also want to point out that we do all of these things, right? In hopes of being acceptable and hopes of increasing our value. Mm. And 
the reality of all of these things is that it further disconnects us from our true self, mm-hmm. from happiness. I know for me, I spent years dieting, counting calories, obsessing, thinking about the plastic surgeries I would get, getting down to that goal weight, feeling like that goal weight wasn't enough, getting to the next weight, not still not enough, got to keep going, mm-hmm. getting to the point where I was like, okay, I actually feel like I don't look my best now. But at that point, my brain had literally been hijacked by this eating disorder mm. and I couldn't mm. stop to the point where I was hospitalized for three months in between grade 11 and 12 in wow. an inpatient program being refed, like learning how to eat again, the number of eating disorders and, and disordered eating patterns that we're seeing in women are just growing and growing and growing. And it's really no surprise when we look at, you know, this bubble that we're living mm-hmm. in and the messages that we receive. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) What has your relationship been like with your body? You mentioned that you don't weigh yourself anymore. Was that just Mm -hmm. a, doesn't feel right? Or was that actually like a conscious choice that you had to make? It was a conscious choice. Well, I think we have a similar background where I'm a dancer and grew up that life and it was lovely. Like, but my experience around dance, like I never had a full blown like eating disorder or anything, luckily, but I, I was always around it or I was aware of it, for example. So even growing up at a young age, I remember there was a class where we tend to get heavier in the summer just naturally because we were like adolescent. So it's normal. Yeah. And because we had we'd have breaks from dance and we would come back and then our teacher would make us one of these classes. We had to do the whole class in bikinis, the entire oh, technique class in bikinis God. to make sure that we weren't sticking our stomach out and to be a more aware of our bodies. We were literally basically dancing naked because that was, and that seemed totally normal at the time. But, at, but looking back on that, it's a horrible thing to do to children, especially, but women in general or another time are <laughs> every time we would win Critics' Choice, we would go to dance competitions and Critics' Choice, you got to win this big thing of popcorn. Mm. It was like candy corn, cheese, regular popcorn. It was massive. And we would snack on it during rehearsals. And I remember one of the days our teacher decided we've been gaining too much weight and we couldn't be snacking anymore. So he like ripped it out of our hands and threw it in the dumpster behind the studio. Mm. So things like that just kind of stick in your subconscious. Like, Oh, I am being punished or for the way I look or for not looking a certain weight or for not. And you would do the thing normally with your friends, you stand in the mirror and you'd like pull your skin back and be like, Oh, I just want this to stay like this. And we're like, 15, you know? But it's crazy. You said we did that normal thing where we would pull our skin back and say, Mm -hmm. that is normal, but it's not normal. Yeah, it's not. But that's like what you were used to. Yes. But like, how did we get to this point where little 15 year olds are, and that's the exact age where, you know, all of this sort of came to a head for me as well. That's so mm-hmm. young now that you're an adult. Like, doesn't that seem like you're a baby when you're 15 years yeah, old? It does. But you're it's so, so aware of these things. <laughs> it's yep. wild. But learning to love again, like, how did you do that? Huge thing that you went through. How did you continue to like believe in love after all of that? I guess I didn't want to give one person that power over my perception of something so beautiful, like just because one person messes up, like 
does that mean it's going to ruin my experiences in life because of that? Like, no, like no one should have that power over you. No individual, no one deserves that. Um, so I think my pride there was like, "Mm -mm, that's, that's, that's not happening. I think also once you've gone through different relationships and different experiences with people, you really know what you want. You know what you won't tolerate. And you know, right off the bat, like when first 10 seconds, I could tell when I would like go out or just meet people, I'd be like, nope, this will not. Or, or then I could be like, hey, this could work. So I think it's being more sure of your intuition and trusting it a little more. Also being okay if it's not the right time, not the right. Mine was a little different because he was my friend and we kind of knew each other. And it was like a very nice, organic kind of connection we had. So, and I felt that right from the start. Cause it wasn't like someone was coming into the relationship, wanting something. It was just wanting to genuinely be a good person and help me in any way. Something I really had to work on was feeling like I was a burden for guys. Like if they wanted to date me, like I felt like me having a kid was like just a big red flag above my head, like blinking warning, like get away from her. She has a kid. Um, and I thought that made me kind of unlovable in a way, like, cause again, something I would judge before if I would be dating guys and they would say like, oh, I have a kid. I'd be like, eh. In the back of my mind, like, I don't know if I want to do that. So that kind of thing, shifting the perception. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess just loving myself enough to know that I could love and it would be okay if it didn't work out. Knowing that I was strong enough to go through that kind of gave me the strength to be open to love again. Like I said, in between The Bachelor and Paradise, And when I came back from paradise, I was really shaken. And I actually went through this deep, dark blue period where I felt like I had no one who I could talk to or relate with. Mm -hmm. And being in that love triangle really put me in a dark place because I felt like I was a bad person. And -hmm. and so how I tried to resolve it was going on dates. And I considered myself like a serial dater. I, I, I felt like it was my job mm-hmm. and I would plan like two or three dates from Tinder a week. And we'd go to like Acme downtown, you know, speakeasy bars. And it was really fun. And, mm-hmm. But at the end of each date, I would ask the guy um, to rate me on a scale of one to 10. Wow. That's very vulnerable for you to do. Yeah. And I would ask them, okay, can you give me a performance review? What did I do right on the date? And what did you not like? Wow. And I think I did that for four or five months, you know, a couple times a week where I would ask these random guys what was wrong with me. And it would and I didn't realize that I was in a dark place trying to answer questions that, of course, normal random strangers wouldn't know the answers to. And I, mm-hmm. I think I just didn't know who I was and I was mm-hmm. looking for them to answer it. And so single me after a couple months was like, what am I doing? Yeah. And it was actually Charlene Joint who was on. Juan Pablo's season of The Bachelor, who's one of my close friends who made this connection. And she was like, you know, Kayla, what you're doing is trying to create a scatterpoint graph and and find us an answer which um, which you need to answer yourself, mm-hmm. like who you are. And I think I was trying to answer why didn't these guys like me on The Bachelor or mm-hmm. why have I been broken up with so many times? And the reason was I didn't know who I was and I didn't know my confident self. So after like kind of six months of this blue period, I committed to a year of being single. And for the next year, I worked on my blog and I worked on myself and I made a bucket list of everything I wanted to accomplish single. 
And I was like, if I'm going to be single, I'm going to be the best fucking single person out there. I'm going to take it full force and go in hard. And so I wrote things on there like, yeah, start my blog, code a website. I'm going to reconnect my relationship with my brother because it was really strained and I didn't really, wasn't really speaking with him. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to tr- do a trip, well, like a single girl's trip for 10 days. And the thing is, if I was with somebody during that, t- that year, I wouldn't have started my blog. No, I would have no. focused on them and I wouldn't have done a week long road trip with my brother and got to know him again. And our relationship would still be distant. And then the third thing is I wouldn't have traveled and seen the world and created these crazy stories that I can laugh about with my friends. And so I learned that being single is awesome. You know, you just have to do it right and and make it intentional. And when I came out of that, I, after that year of being single and not really dating, I um, made a decision that I wanted to move to San Francisco. So I ordered a bunch of boxes and was prepared to move. And it was like fall fashion week, September of that year. And I remember as soon as I made the plans to move to San Francisco, I met Nick. I think the question of am I normal, it's really just a reflection of all the ways that we've been taught to feel ashamed and embarrassed of sex Mm -hmm. because we all have been. I mean, I'm a sex therapist. I have plenty of hangups and baggage around sex myself. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I've, I've heard people ask me that question for like the most tame things. Like I've had people say, I love when my boyfriend calls me like cute pet names. Am I normal? I love when my partner like makes out with me. Am I normal? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> these things are totally fine. <laughs> and, you know, and even much more intense things, like my personal perspective is as long as there are consenting adults involved, it's normal. So do whatever the hell you want, do whatever the hell makes you happy, but really, yeah, just recognize like, it's not a really, it's not a valuable question for us to be asking ourselves, like what, what the hell is normal? Who really cares about it? All that you should care about is like, do I feel good doing this activity in my life? You know, we don't come out of the womb being ashamed and embarrassed of sex Mm -hmm. and judgmental of our bodies and, you know, all this stuff, like we're taught to be. And we can also get back to a place where we recognize, you know what, I was taught all this crap, but what do I actually want to believe about my own sex life? You know, what are the goals Mm -hmm. that I want to have for myself? How do I want to approach it? We don't have to just live with all the terrible things that we've been taught to believe about it. We get to be our own bosses in our our own sex life. And by the way, this is not just, hey, Dr. B's got a cool idea. There's a study called the American Gut Project, and it still is the largest study to date to allow us to connect diet and lifestyle choices to the health of our microbiome. Mm -hmm. And when they analyzed that study, what they found was that the single greatest predictor of a healthy gut microbiome was the diversity of plants in your diet. In that study, people eat consuming more than 30 different varieties of plants per week Hmm. had the healthiest microbiomes. They weren't just eating the fiber one bars and... (laughs) The metamucil and the supplements. <laughs> no, and that's the issue with the food industry is that they're gonna. There's someone who's an executive at the at the food industry who's probably read my book or is listening to this podcast, and they're gonna go, "Well, we'll just let's put fiber on the cover of the box yeah. and sell that." That's what they did with gluten free. They just put it on everything that they could to make it seem like it was healthy because that was what it was at the time. That is so true. That is so true. That, that what happened was that gluten free 15 years ago was an insanely healthy diet because basically meant that you had to avoid processed food. Mm -hmm. 
And then gluten-free got trendy. And once it got trendy, the food, the food industry showed up to capitalize on it. Then we're just eating like sugar and carbs, basically disguised as healthy options for gluten-free people. Yeah, that's really true. And we have to be careful because, because um, you know, I'm here to promote a plant-centered diet, plant-based diet, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily 100% if you don't choose to, but the more plants, the merrier. And the problem is like that, those are becoming buzzwords now Mm. that show up on boxes and like super processed foods say plant-based. I'm like, that's not plant-based. Yeah. I bought cookies that say plant-based. I'm like, they're not plant-based, but I'm going to eat the cookies. (laughs) Yes. I mean, it started as a plant Mm -hmm. and then you added a bunch of stuff that I have no clue what it is. And I was a chemistry major. Like that's weird. Yeah. With age comes confidence. Mm. In my case, I'm 10 times more confident than I was five years ago. And five years ago, I was 10 times more confident than I was five years before that. Mm. In my own skin, in my passions, in the decisions I make. It's funny that you say that on the outside. I, you know, I I get that. And I don't know how to change that. It's (laughs) not that I want to put out this impression of of not having my shit together. But I think fewer people have their shit together than you would think. I agree with that. In in all the ways, at least. Like, there might be someone who professionally has all their shit together, but then they are terrible with relationships or partnerships. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's sort of like, life is like whack-a-mole. You know, you (laughs) might get one mole, but then there's another one. I just think that no one fully has their shit together and we're all just doing our best. Yeah. And that's why I really think people should think twice before being mean to each other. Agreed. And I like that you share that too, because I, not everyone is willing to admit that necessarily, that they might not have their shit together. And <laughs> even though people might perceive that, um, and they're, I feel like especially with social media, we're constantly trying to like prove that we're, we're perfect and everything's together. And I just showed up like this and it was great. So yeah, I like that you are <laughs> willing to share. My husband is a terrible kisser and I don't know how to fix it. I find myself avoiding kissing. Why are you laughing? This Do you have something so to tell me? No, it's <laughs> so fun. Um, yeah, this makes me sad for you guys. But okay, hear me out. There are like sex therapists and like counselors and stuff. I feel like there could be a course that you can sign yourself up for. You ever seen old school? Remember the Andy Dick scene? No, what what happens there? I've seen this Andy movie Dick, twenty times. He's like he like goes and uh, Frank, who's Will Ferrell, mm-hmm. uh, it's his ex wife, and they're like all of her friends hire Andy Dick to come <laughs> give a class on basically how to give a good blowjob. Yeah, and, and it's one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen. Yeah, they're all like sucking on cucumbers or something, right? Yeah, and he walks in. Anyways, there has to be a course. Like, there's so many influencers for different random things. There has to be an influencer for this. Of so course. I think it could be like a fun way to spice up the marriage and just be like, hey, I want to take a course on blah, blah, blah. And you can do multiple courses. So it doesn't have to be like directly saying like you suck at kissing. Like, I think it make it fun and make it a fun activity for you guys to do and just go to this counselor, sex therapist, whatever it is, and just do like a little kissing I was going to say, if, if, if it's just, if they're just calling themselves a kissing coach, what else are you doing? <laughs> what else do you do for a living? There, again, with the bachelorette, there was a, 
a, a cuddling counselor on <laughs> yeah. the episode. That was a whole date. And they just randomly had to cuddle. And half of them were just like normal cuddling positions. And I don't really see how you need a, like a specific counselor or expert on that. Because you can make money doing anything <laughs> these days, baby. You can do whatever you want and make money. Your, whatever your heart desires. You want to call yourself a an elephant for money. <laughs> There's a way to do that, I'm sure. Well, I think it started with I needed to love myself first. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to do that. Um, people always say, you know, you have to love yourself first before you can love someone else or loving yourself is the most important thing. And I was like, okay, cool guys. I get it. Um, can anyone let me know how to do that? Yeah. <laughs> and nobody could give me a clear explanation on how to love yourself. So I knew when I was on my Europe trip, that that's something I was searching for. I didn't, I, put, I got pieces of it on my mm -hmm. journey. I didn't necessarily put it all together until I came back, which is why it's written in the epilogue of Eat, Pray, FML, but it's called the self-love cocktail. And what you do is you sit down and you write out a list of things that you're capable of giving yourself that your soul loves, not mm -hmm. that you need from your man or a parent or a friend, things that you can give yourself daily that make your soul happy. And you commit to doing things on that list every single day. At first, it's like one or two things. It'll be a stiffer cocktail, like a vodka martini. And then you continuously show up and do those things till you can add in more ingredients and it becomes like a fun mixology cocktail. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, you wake up feeling so much better and it's because you're loving yourself. Mm -hmm. When I realized that loving yourself is as simple as giving your soul the things it loves, it was mind-blowing to me mm -hmm. because then I could actually have something to do. I had a checklist. I had something that I could control. I didn't need to look at myself in the mirror and be like, I love you, Gabrielle, and feel like a freaking psycho. Yeah. Um, I mean, like more power to you if you can do if that. That's like, what it, it is. Yeah. Didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, so it was really life-changing when I realized that. So that was the first step that I mm -hmm. needed to, to figure out. That's not to say that if you're in a relationship and you don't really love yourself, that you can't learn how to do that while you're in that relationship. I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, I, I really needed to get that piece of the puzzle into place. After that, and this comes up a lot in the, the Ridiculous Misadventures, is I had to rediscover what love felt like because it came wrapped in a totally not what I was expecting package. And I fought it a lot. It was like, mm -hmm. this isn't, this isn't the person I'm supposed to end up with. Like, this is missing or this is different and this. And I had to really walk through a lot of my own fear um, before I was able to accept that type mm -hmm. of love. And it really taught me a lot about getting out of your own way mm -hmm. and not letting fear of past things dictate how you operate moving forward. Show me one person who has gotten incredibly famous and it's filled their void. Um, there, I mean, some people have become famous and done it well. Um, some people have used attention for really good things, but fame for the sake of relevancy only has never satisfied the human soul or the human mind. It just never has. It always falls short or it brings on a whole new list of complications and issues. And, and again, I'm not against it. It's just like, is that I, anytime that becomes this, the pursuit, I believe that we're 
running um, an unfulfilling path? The one thing I've learned um, from people of all different backgrounds, uh, races, sexual orientation, um, cultures, is that for some people, um, hope is a concept they don't believe to be true because in order to be hopeful for something, you have to have something in your past to point to, to say, I believe the future is going to get better. But if your place of life has always gotten worse, it's hard to be hopeful that that will change. Now Mm -hmm. you can add into that then the argument that yes, hope is gritty. It is difficult. Um, And it also takes humans to step up and say, I see the issues arising. How can I be a part of the solution? Um, And so that is what I, I'm hopeful for. That is what I've seen a common trend in all of these stories and the stories of Alone in Plain Sight, my book, and the stories from the people of the podcast is it's a bunch of people who uh, individually have said, I want to be a part of the solution. I want to be a part of making this world a better place. Um, not because I've seen it in the past, not because I even believe it can happen, but because I believe it is a responsibility. I believe it is a call. I believe it is an opportunity for me in my life. Um, and so I'm going to work towards fighting injustice. I'm going to work towards alleviating pains that are unnecessary. I'm going to work for caring for the poor. I'm going to work for helping people feel more known, more loved. Um, and that's what brings me hope within it all is that mm-hmm. for whatever reason, humans have this, I believe, innate desire, if we want to respond to or not, to care for those around us. And it, and it brings about a whole new purpose and a whole new joy in the human when they choose to do it, it's like we're made for it. It's like we're meant mm-hmm. for it. It's like we were designed to love others well. And that's what brings me hope. Anything that we didn't cover? Yeah, well, when it comes to attachment styles, I always say, give people a chance, right? You don't know who someone is, but don't rush in. Uh, but don't ignore things either. And you got to have hope, right? You, you have to, it only takes one. So you got to like put yeah. yourself out there. I dated a ton, but it was worth it because in the end, I met my husband. I knew it. I could appreciate him even more mm-hmm. all the other experiences I'd had. And I was getting stronger along the way, right? Like that's your journey. Yeah. So you're learning from that. Um, my last piece of advice is um, I always tell people you are not on The Bachelor as a woman. You are, this is your show. You are The Bachelorette. You have 30 guys. Now, the only thing is you got to create 30 guys in your funnel, right? Like, what's your strategy? So we can't be passive. Love's not going to fall in our lap, right? The biggest myth I hate out there is love will happen when you're not looking. I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen is you're going to get hit by a bus when you're not looking. Like, (laughs) not friggin' going to happen. If you're maybe, maybe there are exceptions, right? Um, but that's not the rule. So the more, in fact, people who meet somebody online or with some intention actually are happier in the end. Back to the process, like I felt like I dated, I saw. I, so it's a good thing, right? You might get like lucky, but why not make your chances better by doing more to put yourself out there or even going on the show? I think it's a wonderful way for people to build a platform, but you already just, just going on the show, you put yourself out there to the world that I'm open and I'm looking and you create opportunities through that. Yeah. That, that was a great last piece of advice. And we've actually said that on a past episode, like you're the bachelorette. Imagine you have 30 dudes that signed up that came and traveled all across the world to see you. Even if it's just like, 
guys in your area date like that and just having that mindset, not that people are replaceable or that they don't matter. It's just a matter of like, no, you, you own this, you got this. It's like they have less power in the situation. You can go into that with like confidence, knowing that you have everything to offer. And my husband one time said this, like really, he said it like it's such in passing and it just like hit me like a ton of bricks to the chest. And he was like, yeah, I gain and lose about 30 pounds a year, but that's life. It just ebbs and flows. And I thought the audacity to have such comfort to just go through life, going up and down on the scale. And I just couldn't believe that there was such freedom that existed to truly just allow your body to move through seasons like that. And and even the seasons being encapsulated Mm -hmm. within a year felt really bizarre to me. The postpartum, my first three times was you know, it was just hidden. It was all about your pregnancy and then you give birth and then, you know, the doors get shut in your face and you get really used to that, except for your Uh like core support systems. You get really used to that. You get, and I think that's why a lot of people really enjoy pregnancy because there's a lot of attention. There's a lot of like, congratulations. Uh There's so much joy all the way built up until you have that baby in those first couple of days afterwards. And then it's like the magic just disappears and you have to, you're now exhausted holding this baby who is eating from your body with stitches in your vagina with, you know, a belly that's overhanging the underwear, the underwear that is like literally disposable. You've got pads the size of Texas and you're like, what just mm-hmm. happened? This is what everybody wanted for me. Yeah. How dare you? And so there's this one, there's this one quote, um, Riley Laster said this on, on Twitter and I've mentioned it before, but she says, pregnancy is such a trip. The same belly that people admire while it grows and stretches to house your baby will be the exact same belly that people will scrutinize when it's not flat enough to fit society's virgin version of beauty after your baby is born. And that's essentially mm-hmm. it. That's what snapback culture is. And whether we like it or not, we, we are a part of it and we watch it. We, we wait for that. Oh, how is she going to do in six months? What is that one year after we see women fall into it too? We're like, I'm so proud of my body a year later. I've done this. I've done that. And the problem with this is, is this is incredibly nuanced for some women, breastfeeding causes them to lose weight. Some people, it causes them to gain weight for some women. They've got mm-hmm. babies that don't sleep through the night for a year. So you're running on exhaustion. Try working out when you've had mm-hmm. literally three and a half hours of sleep. It's not even safe no. Try you know, having a ba- some babies nurse on a schedule or are, are bottle fed and some babies, you know, you are there all day long. You're just constantly with them. Try and make a good, healthy meal during that. You're grabbing what you can grab and you're eating what you can eat yeah. to have the pressure on top of that to feel like shit about yourself mm-hmm. because you're not performing enough when you're like, I've given everything. How dare yeah. you? It's such an ebb and flow moment. This is not a, this is not a point in time where I will give up because it's really hard. It's really, really hard to be in it, be in a place where you're losing sleep when you're losing your life that you once had, you're going through essentially what I've, what I have figured out for me is grief. You're grieving your body. You're grieving your lifestyle while simultaneously Mm -hmm. experiencing joy. And I remember when my daughter was born and all of my worries around what my body was going to look like afterwards, all this pressure and the snapback. And, you know, I'm all, obviously I was like committed to sharing it all. 
And I remember just looking at her and I just burst into tears because I was like, what the fuck does any of it matter? Like she's here. She's what she's what uh-huh. is the the purpose. Like this is it. And I have to show up for her. I can't miss out. I can't do to her what I did to my three older ones. This is what I always say to people. Like you only get one shot at this stuff. You only get these moments, whether mm-hmm. it's like intimacy with the partner or it's you know, going to meet with their friends or it's experiencing the world with your children. We get one go at this. How dare people mm-hmm. put you to feel so small that you feel like you don't deserve to show up in your own life. So fuck it. My belly is loose. My breasts are leaking. We're doing all like I'm exhausted, but I want to show up and I want to exist in my life. And so if I need to do that in the messiest way and show it, but also in the most beautiful way and show it, I'm going to show up. I just want to just keep doing it, not waiting because we do this thing where like life happens when I look like this, I need to diet for the vacation. Mm -hmm. I have to get ready for the wedding. It starts very, very early and it's very targeted and it's everywhere. It happens as soon as you're pregnant, you'll get started. You'll start to get the diet ads targeted towards you for snapback. It is a, it is an industry that runs on you feeling bad about yourself. So of course, pregnancy Mm -hmm. is like the most, the most vulnerable time, like pregnancy and postpartum, just a very vulnerable time. And so I just feel a lot of protection over, over that season of life for so many women. And I guess ultimately I just want to remind people that I'm in the arena. It's not easy. You can't just expect you to just love yourself and you're going to trek through this and it's going to be great and beautiful and wonderful. I am not feeling great about my body and I'm simultaneously showing up and doing all the things and living my whole life because at the end of the day, and I, and I give beauty redefined a lot of credit for this. We are more than a body. Our body is an instrument, not an ornament. And uh, we really deserve Mm. to show up and live our own lives. And I remember right before I met my partner, I, I met someone who I was so into. And I remember being like, thank you, God. Like I finally met someone who were like such a fit. We're reading the same book and sharing notes and it didn't work out. And I remember this moment I was in my apartment in New York and I was just crying and Mm -hmm. I, went on my knees and I prayed to God, universe, whoever was out there. I'm like, I don't get it. I, I help people. Why am I going through this? And then I remember this quote that I tell the women who come to renew. And that is our greatest lesson in this lifetime is to practice opening our hearts, even when it hurts, especially mm-hmm. when it hurts. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't need to do what I did nine years ago, which was completely close up because I have the tools and I am resilient and I can get back up. And yes, it didn't work out with this person, but I felt so much. And that just meant that my heart expanded and I can feel even more. I'm getting back up. I got in a dating app and a week later I met my now partner. I love that. It's kind of in line with like mine. It's and kind of like what I was just saying about like opportunities and whatnot. It's just like comparison can really like crush all of your dreams and 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 really feel like you're so far back and you're really not. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no right, you know, route or roadway to get to your final destination. It, it can look a lot of different ways, and I feel like 
we each are different and unique in our own way and no one else can ever replicate that. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like if we really just let that shine and just have confidence in yourself, like you can literally conquer anything. Like things that I'm like looking at that are in front of me now is just things I would have loved to have the confidence and say like, yeah, that's what I freaking want Mm -hmm. like years ago, but I never really did until now. Mm -hmm. And now look at where I am. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's having the confidence in yourself, but also the confidence to like help encourage your friends close by to you, like how he was just saying, and just following your dreams. My something to share today, I'm going to read you a message that someone sent me on Instagram and I literally got emotional almost. Renee is so sweet and I talked to her yesterday, so hopefully she's okay with me reading her words, but she was an OG beanie, she said. So if you remember from the original of this podcast, when I was originally starting it with Nicole from my season of The Bachelor, it was a completely different podcast. And now it's evolved into this new space, which I really feel authentic to and really feel inspired by, continue to create within what I'm making. Um, But sometimes I have days where I doubt what I'm doing, or I I wonder if I'm even making a difference or if I'm even making an impact. And if anyone's even listening, you know, sometimes I, like everyone else, I'm sure have doubt in the things that I'm doing, especially when you're trying to create something new. Doubt can sometimes creep in when you're not seeing like overnight success or the results that you want or you what you see your peers or other people in similar circles getting that you you aren't. So I can sometimes feel that doubt or sometimes let that creep in, but I am definitely someone that perseveres and definitely someone that will continue to work at something even though it's way easier to stop. So I'm just prefacing that with saying how much this message touched me because I go through all of those ups and downs that I'm sure many people do in life. She said, hi, Sydney, just wanted to say how much I love following you. I find everything you post so relatable and honest. Love your podcast, especially with you and Nick on together. And I feel like you really treat your followers like friends. You would be my first pick of Bachelor Nation to meet. And I'm genuinely so excited for your wedding, even though it's not till next year. Just wanted to let you know that you're the best. And not to toot my own horn, I'm just really in awe of this message and how kind it was. You don't really get to see a lot of kindness on social media. And I really try my hardest to represent what I hope feels good to other people with anything that I put out in the world. Have I made mistakes in the past? Absolutely. It's all a learning curve, especially when you're going into something new like I did when I first got off the show. It's all very new to everyone. So it took some time, but I finally feel in this like authentic space and feel like I'm trying to be my most self, whether that's online, whether it's on this podcast, whether it's with my relationships, whatever it is, I'm just trying to be myself. It really means the world to me when someone sees that and when someone takes the time out of their day to send me such a sweet message. And that's something that I'm, I really want to be respectful of because one thing that we can't ever get back in this life is time. And we have to be very careful with what we put our energy and our effort and our time into. So the fact that anyone is on the other side of this listening to me, I just want you to know how much I am honored to spend this time with you, spend this hour with you, even though we're all far apart in the world. And even though I don't get to necessarily be in the room with you myself, but my voice does, or sometimes my videos do. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for, you know, taking any time out of your week or any time 
out of your day and listening to what I'm putting out there, listening to this podcast. I don't get to say thank you enough. And I just wanted to take this time to say thank you to whoever you are out there listening. Just thank you for being there and thank you for utilizing your time in this way. It truly, truly means the world to me. And I just wanted you guys to know that. So that is my something to share. That is it for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. Before you go, make sure that you rate, review, and follow as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And one thing you can share in the meantime, this podcast, obviously. Send it to a friend who needs some inspiration or give us some love on social media and tag us at Something to Share Podcast on Instagram. And I'll see you next Wednesday.